All right, welcome to the latest episode of Simple Ways to Have a Good Life. My name is James, and this is a podcast where we try to just look at all the things that you can do to improve the quality of your life without spending a lot of money, without having to invest in years of therapy or coaching or anything like that. You know, and today's episode actually stems from the title and uh, more specifically on some feedback I got about the title. So the gist of the conversation or the feedback was essentially that your podcast pisses me off because you say it's all about simple ways to have a good life, but then you start talking about the ego and awareness and shit like that, and I don't really understand what I'm supposed to do with it. And so after getting past my initial reaction, which is almost always, um, everything I've ever done is perfect and everything I do is perfect, so I don't know what you're talking about. Um, you know, luckily that's only the response in my head. I was able to see that they are absolutely right. And so today's episode is just about the 10 simplest things that I've done that have improved my life. I want to be clear at the beginning, I think these things can be verified. Uh, I've read books about them and I see blogs about them and I see journal articles about them. But this is coming from the perspective of the things that have helped me. They may help you, they may not. But in my mind, these are the things that I wouldn't trade for anything at all. These are the things that people continually come back to me and say, you know, I thought you were full of crap, but this was actually really helpful. But, you know, a couple of them are also the things that I have the hardest time getting people to to give a shot, you know, to to try out because they do require some sacrifice. They do require some difficulty on your part. So if there's interest, I will do, I could do episodes on these individually, or we could take a deep dive into one or two of them. So let me know if that's something that would interest you. I'll be glad to do that if any of these really kind of hit home for you. So I'm not going to go super in depth into any of these today. I don't want this turning into a two-hour episode. Um, I don't think anybody wants to listen to a two-hour episode. So if any of them stand out to you, let me know. We'll do the deep dive. Today, we're just going to breeze through them. So the first of the 10 things that I wouldn't trade anything for is, not shockingly, meditation. This is how I start my day. This is many times what I do in the middle of the day or towards the end of the day if I need to just kind of de-escalate or I just need to kind of recenter myself. It is, in my life at least, the cornerstone practice that changed everything for me. Learning to recognize my thoughts, learning to recognize my emotions, learning to recognize that I am not those things, learning that I can choose my relationship to those things was so profoundly life-changing that I don't know that I could exaggerate that. When people tell me that I am different than the James they used to know, in my mind, it often comes back to meditation. Recognizing that I don't have to be driven by these random arisings and these insignificant comings and goings inside my head. So number one is meditation. If you've listened to this at all, this podcast at all, you kind of knew it was going to be number one. You know, from here on out, these aren't really ranked in any kind of order. It's just the order that they popped into my head when I started thinking about this. So number two, we'll talk about the one that is probably the number one thing I can't get people to try. The people who do try it seem to really like it. And um, it's not my idea. This comes from other people. 
It's something that I simply adopted and I wouldn't trade for anything. And that is cold showers. When I first started this, I really hated it. I was resistant, but I, you know, I was reading on Wim Hof. Uh, that led me to some other people who talk about cold showers and it, it just something I really felt I should try. You know, I shower pretty much every day now because I want to take a cold shower. It's what I'll use in the middle of the day. If I need to shift gears from like, you know, working on the computer or writing to taking Max to, you know, an event of some kind, that's a good way to shift. Uh, you know, just last night, I mean, man, I slept terribly last night. Uh, I don't know what was going on. I woke up this morning, just had that kind of cloud, um, just kind of that haze of anger that that hangs over us when we are way too tired. And, you know, uh, my first thought in those moments is, ah, got to make sure I meditate, got to take a cold shower. After that, I felt good. I felt ready to go. And this might be one that I do a whole episode on because, you know, Wim Hof and others, they talk a lot about, you know, how this affects the vascular system, what this does as far as exposing ourselves to, what would you call it, like manageable stress. For me, I think it's a great way to start your day. It you know, when I'd get out of like a hot shower, I'd feel kind of sluggish. I'd feel kind of run down and I get out of a cold shower and I feel just ready to go. So that would be number two is cold showers. The next one is one that I've done multiple times over the years, but I am really, I think, committed to it. That's you've got to ditch social media if you really want to get to a place to where you feel good every day. To say I'm going to do another episode on this is a given. I talk about social media a lot. I think that we're all seeing the detrimental effects of it right now. We're seeing, you know, you're seeing it with this Facebook whistleblower. We are seeing, you know, look what Instagram is doing to young girls and their their sense of self and their self-image. Look at what Facebook alone has done to the culture of our society. I, I talk to people, it feels like at least a couple times a week who have had a falling out with somebody else over Facebook or because of what somebody said. I have watched people I know who were, you know, left of center, right of center, and you talk to them now and they are on the fringes. I, I see this on the right and the left. I hear people, I always hear people like, you know, say that it's one side or the other. It's both. That's so obvious if you'll step back and look. Both sides are asking us to believe absolutely ridiculous propositions about reality and absolutely ridiculous propositions about the average person we're living with. But because of that Facebook echo chamber, because of that social media echo chamber, it all seems rational. You know, on a more personal scale, just for me, like leaving Instagram and not looking at all the comments and all the messages and not feeling this need to reply all the time, it's crazy how much more focus that's given me. You know, since I left Instagram, I think it was probably 40, 50 days ago, something like that. I've read three or four books. I have gotten my, the anxiety toolbox course completed. Today, I finally added a shop to my website. I have cleaned up three or four long blog posts to get them ready to post. I've cleaned up a couple things that I'm going to turn into PDFs for, you know, little short eBooks. I've taken Max to do more things. And I'm not even a person that sits on Instagram and just like, you know, would scroll, scroll, scroll. For me, the harder part about it was like the way that I felt so scattered. I felt like my energy was all gone after I would after I'd reply to five or six messages or after I would, you know, answer comments or, you know, sometimes I would get caught watching reels, you know, I mean, it's so weird the way that hooks us and drags us in, but it would do that. The other thing it's helped is my sleep because, you know, sometimes I'd open Instagram right before I'm going to bed, which is a ridiculously stupid thing to do. And I'm sitting there flipping through reels. So I, I just, just ditch social media, 
take a break from it. From personally, I post through my auto scheduler, so I'm still kind of using it what it's for without getting sucked into the whole just the vortex of social media. Yeah, I, I pretty much use Facebook to see um, homeschool events for Max and to keep up with just different groups and stuff like that. I like the gardening group I'm part of, things like that. So I guess, you know, maybe maybe we don't have to say ditch social media, but maybe reevaluate your relationship with social media. Uh, tied closely to that is just simply put your phone away. You know, now that I think about it, this is one I'll probably do a whole episode on because I, I think there's something uniquely problematic about always being connected, about the expectation of always being available. And I think there's a strange thing going on where we see ourselves way more than we're supposed to. And I know mirrors contribute to this, but we're not carrying mirrors around in our pocket. We're not checking, you know, we're not pulling a mirror out of our pocket and checking it every few seconds. My primary concern with with phones, especially you know, since the advent of the smartphone and all that, is that is this reactivity that we're all being trained into. You know, somebody's phone goes off and they they grab it and they're looking at it before they even think about it. So putting your phone away, I, I personally, I've made my phone very inconvenient. I have all of my apps are stuffed into a folder. And so to, you know, to go to an app, I have to like swipe down from the middle and search the app. I don't have any social media apps on my phone. I don't have email on my phone and my phone stays on silent and do not disturb like literally a hundred percent of the time. I don't have any notifications come to my home screen. And, uh, and and none of the none of the apps get to put the little number on there, you know, to like tell me, oh, you got to come check me. You know, I've got something for you. You know, get over here, bitch. That's how I think our phones are really treating us is they, they have taught us to to hop when they say jump. And so, you know, for me to figure out if I have a text message, I have to go in, I have to swipe down, find type in messages, go in there and see if I've got any. I have to do the same with phone calls. I check email in the morning and in the evening, and I try to, I try to reply to everything in that time. So making my phone very inconvenient has been really helpful for me. And I'll find like, I'll forget it. I'll leave the house and I'll forget that I, you know, to take my phone. Yeah. One other thing, this is a, this is a weird thing. This might be an old guy thing, but this, this attachment to our phones, I feel like it's making our worlds very small as far as where we actually live. Like, yeah, we might know what's going on in like Afghanistan, but I talk to people who don't know which side of town they live on. They don't know how to get from like one town to another without a map. And so I think we're like losing this larger sense of like geographical awareness of which direction things are and stuff like that. And I don't know if it matters, but I don't know. I kind of like knowing where everything is in relation to everything else. And our phones just keep us zoned in on this little screen and they stop us from doing that. So maybe, maybe we'll label this one as change your relationship with your phone. The next one, also super simple, drink water. I drink more water than you drink anything else. It's so good for us. It's so easy. It's free. I don't know that I need to explain it. Like that's, that's what most of our body's made up of. It's the, it's the thing that we can use to hydrate ourselves that doesn't have a consequence on the other side, except for maybe having to pee a lot, you know, drink water. It'll, it'll change your life. It'll change your skin. It'll change all sorts of stuff. The next one's pretty simple too. go to bed. Prioritize your sleep. Sleep is a, like a linchpin of everything. Maybe the linchpin, you know, I'll tell people, y'all know how I feel about meditation, but I will tell people that you can be you can be meditating you can be eating right you can be exercising you can be just doing everything right but if you are not 
sleeping well, if you're if you're doing all those things and not prioritizing your sleep, you are putting up really beautiful wallpaper in a house that's on fire. Sleep is everything. And I think you've got to, you've got to challenge anything that's that's taking away from your sleep. You've got to challenge anything that is preventing you from getting a healthy amount of sleep. This is this is unpopular, but I also think when we sleep matters. I think that eight hours a night is a thing. I, I think that we're wired for that. I think that I think that going to bed at a good time and getting up at a good time is 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 important. And that's actually the next one is wake up. Get out of bed every day of the week. Like that that has that was that was so life-changing for me. It's hard to explain. And a lot of other people have come back, primarily young men I've noticed have come back and said that that made a big difference for them, even though they didn't like it when I first you know, gave it to them as homework. But getting up every day is good for us. It makes it so much easier to get up. It makes it so much easier to go to sleep. I think there's like a, for me, there's a philosophical aspect to getting up every day. And this was especially, it's not so true anymore because I, I, I kind of just do what I want. But like when I worked a nine to five job or a Monday through Friday job, like this idea that I'm supposed to sleep in on the two days off that I have, it just, that, that just felt like, um, it just, I guess it triggered just like this oppositional nature that I have. It's the same thing with like, like when your job lets you, and I'm doing air quotes around, let you wear jeans on a Friday or something. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to validate the authority for you to tell me how to dress by, by taking the, the, the crumbs of freedom that you give me on a Friday. To me, that shit's ridiculous, and I'm just not playing that game. It was the same way with sleep. It was that no, I'm not. I'm not wasting the days that I do have to myself by sleeping in. I'm going to go to bed at a good time. I'm going to get up at a good time every day. I'm going to try to use those weekends as well as I can, and that's just been a habit that's carried through. I guess maybe that's one of the few good things that came out of my very middle finger towards everything nature that I used to have. That one made a, a, a big difference for me. And all of these things, man, just understand, I, I get it. Like not everybody has these options. I mean, my sleep has been completely out of whack since having kids. I get that you might not have a job that lets you get good sleep. You might not have a job that lets you get up at the same time every day. None of these are one size fits all. But the more that we can go to bed at a certain time and get up at a certain time, the better we're going to feel and you'll find that it just kind of, it makes your whole life easier. You've got this kind of routine. And I think that we are creatures that crave routine and that routine is very good for us. Oh man, this next one is definitely not popular, especially where I live in Lubbock, Texas, which is one of the heaviest drinking towns or cities, whatever we are in the country. And, you know, in Texas, just Texas in general, we have this alcohol culture. Um, I think America has an alcohol culture for, to some extent. Like, like alcohol is this... Uh, it's a very insidious thing because it's got this social acceptability to it. And it's not like a train wreck all the time. Like you, alcohol can lead you to a very slow death. And so I think there's plenty of people who are willing to kind of like walk you to that slow death. But th this, this one right here, the simple, a simple way to have a better life is just avoid alcohol or drastically minimize it in your life. You know, I, I tell you, you know, I started smoking cigarettes at a pretty young age. And so when I quit, I felt like a superhero. Like I, I, you know, like getting, climbing back up to just kind of like a normal baseline for everybody else. I felt like, like the flash or something, man. I feel like I had so much energy. The same thing happened when I started cutting alcohol out of my life. And now that it's like rarely in my life, I, I notice a change in my mentality. I notice a change in my motivation. I notice a change in my energy when I drink even, and I don't ever drink more than like one or two drinks, maybe three drinks over the course of like, a, you know, four or five hour evening. 
I just notice a subtle change. It messes up my sleep. It, it, it messes up like when I eat and when I don't eat. It messes up just how I feel the next day. And I talk to more and more people who acknowledge this same thing, that there's just something inherently, I don't know, just like debilitating about alcohol. It might be subtle. Like you notice it for sure if you drink way too much, but I haven't done that in a really long time. There's something very subtle about it. And maybe it's something that I I wouldn't have ever noticed till I started feeling really good. But I guess the way that I would put it is that alcohol just takes my edge off. And that's the thing is that that's part of the reason we drink, I think, is to take that edge off. But I I need that edge. Uh, I try to do a lot every day and I try to take care of multiple things every day. I need that edge. And so I don't like losing it anymore. I'm not militant about it, but man, I notice the difference in myself. And so limiting, minimizing alcohol, that's an important one. And if you really, really like alcohol and you can't see yourself cutting back on it, that might be an indication of a problematic relationship with alcohol in and of itself. So the last two are more general, but I think they're still very simple and very concrete and very actionable. And The first one is stay in your lane. So much of our trouble comes from us going out of our way to be unhappy about something, going out of our way to be bothered by something, going out of our way to criticize somebody else, going out of our way to have an opinion about something else. The more that we can just stay in our lane and live the life that we've been given and do the things that we do, it is so much easier. So much of the trouble that we see on a day-to-day basis is people getting out of their lane. People deciding, oh, well, this is my opinion about that and everybody else needs to follow that opinion. Oh, this is what I believe. And so you need to believe it too. And whether you're going to believe it or not, you're going to hear it from me. If you've got a front yard and your neighbor has a front yard and you mow your front yard, that's the end of it. Your neighbor's yard's not your problem. Let them do their thing. Stay in your lane. When it comes to like all the different controversial things that we hear about, and somebody is telling me about them and they're fretting about it and they're worrying about it. The honest answer, like what I think in my head so often is why do you need to have an opinion about this? Why are you going out of your way to find something to be distressed about? Why are you going out of your way to find something to be upset about? Like if you just stay in your lane, you're still going to have problems and obstacles arise. That's what life is. That's what life does to us. It brings things our way that we have to solve and figure out. We don't need to go out of our way to go find shit to be unhappy about. Stay in your lane. Mind your business. It makes everything so much easier. And going back to social media, I think that's one of the things I really resent or dislike about social media is that it is an invitation to get out of your lane. Somebody that you knew in second grade posts a political opinion and they're inviting you. Hey, get out of your lane. Make yourself miserable and come argue with me. Or, hey, get out of your lane and come over here and agree with me. Let's be friends and let's let's reinforce each other's viewpoints. It's ridiculous. Imagine how much more like just we'd all how much more we would all accomplish if we just stayed in our lane and did the things we need to do instead of veering off into every issue out there and having an opinion on shit that has nothing to do with us. And then the last one, it's tied to that. Help other people. This is not it's not leaving your lane to help other people. That's what we're all here for. That's what we're supposed to do. That's why all this is going on. We're here to help each other. Help other people instead of chipping away at them. Help other people instead of criticizing them. Help other people instead of thinking about all the ways they're wrong. And do this like joyfully. Don't be thinking about the things they did to get them in a position where they need your help because you've done the same thing. 
there's this whole stupid mentality of like doing things on our own and being independent and, you know, bootstraps and all that nonsense. All of us drive on roads that we had no hand in building. We drive on these roads in cars that we didn't build. And then 99% of us don't understand how they work. I don't know how it works. I have no idea. This whole thing is built on everybody helping each other. It's all built on this interrelatedness and interconnectedness. Just help other people. Stay in your lane and don't hurt them. Take it one step further and help them. And it'll make everything easier. So those are my 10 quick things that have made the biggest difference in my life. I think they're all actionable. I think they're all concrete. I don't think any of them are weird with ego and all that stuff. And I think they're useful. They've made a huge difference for me in my life. These are probably the foundation that like allowed me to build a lot of different things and feel a lot better. So if any of them interest you and you'd like to hear more about them, holler at me. I'll be glad to do an episode on each one. To do that, you would just shoot me an email, james at James Scott Henson. Don't contact me on Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm not logging in there to see messages and comments and things like that. I have the I have the newsletters going out every Friday now. I'm constantly trying to like streamline it and make it more economic in how it in in how it goes out, just so there's not a lot of just dead space and empty words and rambling. So uh, the feedback I'm getting on it is all positive. I'm really enjoying getting to talk to people because they read the newsletter and they emailed me, and I'm getting to meet some new people that way. I think that's really cool. That's the kind of engagement and conversation that I'm looking for, not the shallow hot take bullshit of social media. So uh, you can sign up for that on my website. If you just go to jamesscotthinson.com, I think it's like the very first thing on the first page. It's, you know, you put your name and address. And that also gives you access to the resource library, which I think has a bunch of cool stuff in it. I finally got the intro video for the Anxiety Toolbox course done and uploaded. So as soon as uh, LearnDesk gets that all up and running, I will tell y'all about that. I'm excited about it because I think that anxiety is such a pressing issue in our society. And I think that it is very concrete and applicable. And I think it'll be useful for people. So look at these 10 things, see what works for you, see what doesn't. It was good talking to you. I will look forward to talking to you next week. Take care.